As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to a bi-coastal edition of the Andy Staples Show. We're going to start in the place where everybody wants to be, with the defending national champions on the East Coast. And then we're going to move to the West Coast, where a team that used to be among the nation's elite is trying to get back and just got a quarterback who may help them get there. So we'll start with our Georgia beat writer, Seth Emerson, talking about the post national title bliss of the Bulldogs. And then we'll move on to Antonio Morales, who covers USC for The Athletic, to talk about Caleb Williams announcing that he is going to be a Trojan. In fact, has been a Trojan since last week. I, he, he just did it better than Tom Brady. Tom Brady's announcement leaked. Caleb Williams never did. So we'll talk to Antonio about how he kept that under wraps and about what to expect from the Trojans with Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley now back together. But first, let's talk about the team that just won the national title. It took them 41 years to get there. And Seth, I've enjoyed watching Georgia fans freak out when Burton goes into the transfer portal, when uh, Stetson Bennett announces he's coming back and JT Daniels goes into the transfer portal. How, How long were they happy? Were they happy for a day? Were they happy for a week? Andy, I think this comes back down to the theory of Twitter is not real life. Twitter and message boards. Okay. At least I hope for the sake gotcha. of Georgia fans that it's not real life because, yeah, there's this the, – the angst came back quickly. Like, oh, no, we're losing these guys. And, you know, I, I think it took some people from afar to say, okay, Jermaine Burton may seem like he's a great player to you and maybe he'll be a great player someday, but we're not looking at this as – Georgia's about to fall apart because Jermaine Burton left. Also, it, I, right, they I, didn't lose Randy Moss. No, no, and and they they lost the backup quarterback. I mean, J T. Daniels may go somewhere else, and he may play his way back into being an NFL prospect. Right. Stetson Bennett may like flame out in twenty twenty two, and Brock Vandegrift or Carson Beck takes over. But the bottom line is, they Andy are returning. And I, may I list them for you? Oh, please do. The starting quarterback, 
who threw the last two offensive touchdowns in the national championship game. Both of the receivers who caught those touchdowns, being Brock Bowers and A.D. Mitchell, the cornerback who had the pick six, Keely Ringo, to finish it off, as well as the linebacker Nolan Smith, who you know once he gets his license unsuspended, um, you know, yeah, he had an issue with that. But that's all. The, Nolan Smith made the sack of Bryce Young to end the national championship game. All these guys are coming back. I'm not <laughs> saying pick Georgia to repeat as national champions. I just mean they're gonna they're gonna win the East unless something crazy happens. And I think there's a if you look at their schedule. There's a damn good chance they're 12 and 0 again. Right now, that they, they, they have to deal with Alabama again. Alabama will have Bryce Young and, and Will Anderson back, and and probably a little bit older team than Alabama had this year. So that that is really the the issue that Georgia will see in the SEC, and obviously, it'll be how good's Ohio State. Does Clemson get back to being Clemson? That those are the problems yeah. that that Georgia deals with now. That those are the the kind of first world problems right. that Georgia has. And it's interesting because I think now we, we will get a chance to really gauge exactly how well Kirby Smart and company have recruited because that was as loaded as a, of a defense as you're going to find yep. in terms of depth. But I look at Jalen Carter coming back. Jalen Carter, probably the single most talented player on that defense if you asked, say, an NFL talent evaluator. He's coming back. I mean, you, you mentioned Nolan Smith. There's a lot of young guys who who had to play mm-hmm. this year or who got to play in in smaller roles because they were so deep. And it is interesting to me that now that they've gotten over this hump, I'm kind of looking at Georgia as the Alabama of the next 10 years because yeah. maybe Alabama keeps doing this. Maybe they do. And, and this year, certainly, I think Alabama will be favored to win the SEC, favored to win the national title and and with good reason. But it almost feels like the future belongs to Georgia. The Red Sox of 2004. Ooh, that's a good was comparison. Not, yeah. Was not a long not as long a wait for Georgia, but it felt like that. 41 years versus what was it for the Red Sox? Like 80 It was a lot of years. So, yeah. but here's the thing. The Red Sox coming back and winning it and they they did it, you know, in almost the same way they had to go do it against the Yankees again. Right. You know, they didn't win their you know the the World Series against the Yankees, but you get the point. My point being, Red Sox didn't stop winning; they kept winning. Yes. They kept it going. They didn't win the next year, but they won in two thousand seven. They won in two thousand thirteen, and was it eighteen that they won it again? Right. Yeah, and, believe, and, yeah. But they they yeah they went from being the one that can never win the big one to one that is routinely in the mix for the yeah. big one, which I think, and that's what we kept talking about over and over. And you know, you you had your your rival fans who would say 1980 1980 but if you keep getting them close if you keep getting them in the mix they're going to break through and they did and I think that's the that's the the thing now like I think now Jimbo Fisher's kind of on deck for that can Texas Mm -hmm. A&M be the one that gets into the even though Jimbo Fisher himself has has done it done it yes but Texas A&M hasn't done it they they haven't won a national title since 1939 so they're they're sort of the next program that has all of the the tools yeah you want and this is what i was telling people andy when people use 1980 as a as an insult it's like that because that's all that there is like you can't say georgia isn't relevant you can't say georgia hasn't been in the mix they were a busted coverage from winning it right in In 2017 2017 2018 
Um, I hate, by the way, how you, you, it, <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it even, gets very confusing. Yeah, even like the 1980 references, I would be the guy that would say, you know, that was technically 1981. It was January first, 1981. Well, yeah. that was when I worked at Sports Illustrated. It was the hardest thing because you'd have these editors who did not cover; they didn't deal with a lot of college football. Yeah, and so I would always say the national title game after the whatever season. Yeah, because. They would say, well, this happened in 2018. You need to call it the 2018. I'm like, but a college football fan won't understand that. This they will also, say, no, that was the 2017 season. This also trips me up when I'm doing, and we're, we're getting too full nerd here. But, oh, uh, yeah. But I, people w- like when we go w- when really nerdy. When I Google, like, playoff for when I'm doing reference, like, I'm, I'm Googling, yes. like, the 2018 playoff. It'll pull up, like, the 2017 playoff, or, you know, it'll pull up the year I didn't want. It was right. like, oh, no, hold on. And then the thing is, like, Alabama and Clemson and Ohio State are in there every year, yeah. so you have to dig in to play. Oh, no, 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 this was the year that that's the, Michigan that, State was in it. Or, that's no, the no, no. second time Clemson yeah. beat yeah. Alabama in the national yeah. title game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, it is. It is. It does get confusing, but again, first world problems. We're, we're dealing yes. with a lot of first world problems here. But Georgia has been in it. Like that's that's the thing, and like I, Georgia is now entering that territory because they've recruited the way they have. That they're they they're going to put. You know, you and I are at the Senior Bowl. I'm allowed to say that. We're, oh, absolutely. We're, we're, in, we're sitting in the parking lot of a yes. barbecue restaurant. We're going to have lunch after this. Yes, but yes. this is so. If we if we knock off a little early, it's because our food's ready. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is going to be fascinating to me to see because with Georgia, it's been, okay, they've been able to stack this talent, but could they sustain it? And it feels sustainable. I mean, Brock Bowers looks like one of the most exciting players in America for the next two years. And I would not rule out him being Georgia's second best tight end in 2022. Are you saying Washington would be the the best Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I still think it'll be Bowers because of what we saw, but Darnell Washington is a man beast, and he, you know, he he they they still need to figure out a better way to use him, and it's also possible that he's a little bit like one of those guys who's just very tall but not as athletic as he needs to be. But but I'm just saying they're they're that good, they're that deep. Now they're when I was saying we're in Mobile, Georgia had eight players invited here. They've got six. Uh, that are going to actually play, but those are the seniors. They've got a whole bunch of juniors like Nicobe Dean and Trayvon Walker. Right, who are seen. going into the draft. They're yeah. going into the draft. Amir White. Georgia's going to set a school record for number of players drafted this year. They could have 15. I think the couple wow. guys on the bubble are like John Fitzpatrick, who just entered, guys like that. But they're also reloading. Like I, I went back 
through if you look at the star ratings of the guys they have coming back, particularly on defense, they're they've got even more like five stars yeah. and and four stars who were like top 100 they just are inexperienced but they have the schedule until the SEC goes away from divisions which they're going to yeah but they're not in 2022 nope which means that Georgia then get past Dan Lanning and Oklahoma and Oregon in the opener can go 12 and 0 against an easy slate while getting the experience for these players, and by the time they get into the SEC championship, or at minimum just for the 2023 season, you are back to looking the way they did in 2021. Yeah, and that's the part that that is interesting and, and frustrating, I know, for a lot of college football fans because it's like, okay, somebody slayed the Alabama beast, but they're it's it's meet the new boss same as the old boss. I mean, it, they Kirby Smart built it just like Nick Saban did. Mm-hmm. He's doing exactly what Nick Saban has done. Maybe Nick Saban again. I want to see if Nick Saban can sustain with Kirby Smart doing this, with Jimbo Fisher doing what he's mm-hmm. doing at Texas A&M, with Brian Kelly at LSU. Can Nick Saban sustain that? Because that's hard. Like he's the best ever because but every, that's hard because everybody has figured out that that's the model you have to do. When I was covering Mark Richt at Georgia, there was this sense of, well, you know, uh, Alabama's doing it this way, but it's just not the right way. We want to do it our way. We want to, you know, not that we don't want to recruit well, but we, we don't want to be quite as cutthroat. Some things are more important. Everybody, forgive me for using the term the dark side here. I'm not saying Nick Saban and Alabama is the dark side, but everyone's oh, kind of gone. Most people other than Alabama fans People think have that, gone so. to the dark side. Georgia followed the, the blueprint. Texas A&M is following the blueprint. Uh, Florida – did I say Georgia? Or I said Florida. Okay. Yeah. Georgia following the blueprint. Florida is attempting to follow Florida now. now has yeah. figured out. Now, I don't know if they're overcorrecting. they got for, a long way to yeah, go. Yeah, they've got – but yeah. more and more teams are figuring out, eh, this, this is the way to do it. And it's going – to make it harder, yeah, for Nick Saban to stay at the top, and he probably considers that another challenge worthy of keeping him. I in know the it's going to keep him coaching years. for fifteen more yeah. years. He's going to win eight more national titles. Yeah. But I, honestly, I, I'm kind of excited to see how he attacks it because it, it the job is much more difficult than it would have been mm-hmm. five years ago. And you know, because I, I look at now, Dan Lanning goes to Oregon where he replaces Mario Cristobal who had taken that same model. Yeah. Mario Cristobal goes to Miami, where they are apparently giving him the money to create that model there. And Because I, I know Mario Cristobal, I know for a fact that when he got hired at Oregon, or, or even in his interview, he basically laid down the organizational charts from Alabama yeah. and Georgia and, and to, to Rob Mullins, the AD, and said, I need this. Mm-hmm. If you want to win national titles, I need this. And and I'm glad for it, honestly. Like, we don't need to take this into the what you probably talk about a lot in terms of why there needs to be a 12 team playoff and in the regionalization of the sport right. and whatever. But it would be great for college football if Miami got back to being yes. what it was. And if Oregon, if stayed, Oregon stayed, stayed good, if USC got what, good, what yeah. USC gets good with Lincoln Riley, which you and I were talking on the way here. I don't think they have enough to in 2022 be a playoff contender, but they've got Caleb Williams for two years not just this year so they you know i I think it's good for college football rather than everything being centralized in one region of the country um and honestly alabama and georgia probably don't mind it and one of the reasons greg sankey wants this 12-team playoff is because that would allow alabama and georgia and lsu and texas a&m to kind of have an easier road into that 12-team well and also 
might get Ole Miss into the mix every once in a while, might get Mississippi State or Florida or Auburn yep. into the mix. And I, I think that's the the thing people don't think about with, with the SEC and the Big Ten especially. There are more programs that could get in it because you saw what – what happened with Michigan this year? You saw how great it is. And obviously, we may be having another podcast here in the next few days talking about Jim Harbaugh going back to the NFL. But he took Michigan back to a Big Ten title. He took them to the mm-hmm. playoff. That energized the program. It energized the fan And base. it was great to see it. Yeah. I mean, I saw, uh, covering Georgia's playoff run, I saw them play Alabama again. It just in a different venue, but in between, it was cool seeing Michigan and seeing those helmets and and having that back. It'd be cool if Miami was there, if it was if USC was back in well, that I, great I fight into, song. I ran and, into James Franklin here at the Senior Bowl. I mean, in a twelve team playoff, the Penn State would have been in three or four times mm-hmm. already. You know, and and that's another program. Mm-hmm. Get them into the mix. Get you know Oklahoma's been in the mix, but what about some of these other? teams that are in the big 12 that are staying in the big 12 yeah texas would like to they're going to the sec but but like oklahoma state they've been successful over the years they've had teams that have been kind of up there like this this year's oklahoma state team this year's baylor team Mm -hmm. those are teams that that might have had a shot so what if we still end up with georgia and alabama or the same two teams in the final i the journey will still be interesting like, yeah, I, the NCAA tournament is interesting because of the first few rounds. It's not as interesting for the actual Final Four and championship game. It's the first few rounds. So let me ask you about a guy who just left Georgia. You talked to recently, Dan Lanning, the the defensive coordinator for for Georgia's twenty twenty one team, now the head coach at Oregon. Mario Cristobal left him a heck of a roster. How's he feel heading into you know a, a situation where he may be able to win the Pac twelve? Next year, I mean, he's got Utah. He's got to deal with Caleb Williams at, at USC. Uh, Oregon State's been good under Jonathan Smith, but he's got a he's got a really good roster to to start off with as a first time head coach. You know what he probably really likes is that he opens with Georgia. Yes, in Atlanta, he'll know exactly what he's dealing. He know, with. he he has he he knows Georgia's roster inside out. He knows what Kirby's tendencies are going to be, but. He's going to be a massive underdog. It'll help him evaluate his own roster, right? Yeah, and it'll give his entire roster also an off season of they're not opening with, you know, Southern Oregon if that's a real school probably isn't. They're not opening with Eastern Washington or someone like that, right? There, it, and it's the same thing. It's the you know how much did Georgia benefit by opening with Clemson? Oh, it was yeah. huge, and I think it helps your whole off season when you have a game like that right. point yeah. toward. And 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 for Dan Lanning, you're right because he can go into the weight room over the summer and say, listen, guys, I know what Jordan Davis was doing this time last year yeah. on the way to the national title. I know what Jalen Carter's doing right now, and you're going to have to play against him. He was going into a uh, like a like to monitor a team run in a way, I, or he was doing something that you could legally do because he told me about it when I talked to him. This morning, yeah. we were recording it. He was it was like six a.m. He was entering there, you know, and it was yeah. They're they're doing their off season stuff and they're gleaming Phil Knight paid for facilities and and I you know I've I've been kind of given Oregon short shrift in its chance to to knock off Georgia and maybe maybe I shouldn't. There's a little danger. Of, they they they've know. got players. Or Oregon has players. Mario Cristobal. I mean, Kirby Smart knows this too. Mario yeah. Cristobal knows exactly what he's recruiting on the line of scrimmage. Yeah, and and this is. Like this offensive line group was the one that came kind of after that big veteran group 
where, where Penny, when Penny Sewell was a young guy and then he was playing with a bunch of seniors, mm-hmm. like these are the guys who came in behind them. So now they're kind of grown men. And, and so it's going to be fun to see them against that Georgia defensive line, which we know is really good. And I, I'm just excited because you're right. It feels like there's new blood, there's freshness, there's a chance for some of these folks. And I, I think that makes the sport more interesting. And uh, so, Seth, I appreciate it. Uh, enjoy your time in Mobile. And when we come back, we'll talk about another one of those schools on the West Coast that suddenly things are looking very, very up. Caleb Williams headed to USC. We'll talk to Antonio Morales, our USC beat writer, when we come back. Well, the transfer watch is over because the guy who transferred, enrolled last Friday, kept a lid on it better than Tom Brady kept a lid on his own retirement. Caleb Williams is a USC Trojan. He dropped the video with Snoop Dogg, with Dr. Dre, with Will Ferrell, and a bunch of Heisman trophies on Tuesday morning out in LA. And he is he is ready to go. Antonio Morales, our USC beat writer, joins us. We're going to talk Caleb Williams. And we also, just the, the massive changes at USC since Lincoln Riley took over. Antonio, uh, I know you're not terribly surprised by all this. Are you surprised that Caleb Williams apparently has a more airtight media strategy than Tom Brady. Yeah, there was no real like concrete information that came out throughout the whole like past month, really. I think people knew he was in Los Angeles from his Instagram, uh, but there was never any any concrete, like solid concrete information that really came out. There was, there was obviously reports about him going to UCLA, and I know people at UCLA – they had a really good shot at him. There's rumors about Wisconsin, like some talk about Georgia before Stetson decided he was going to come back, and it is all this little stuff, but nothing like super solid that you know you knew what to make of. Uh, there's also there's like just talk that he was going to take his time, and I think everybody just kind of assumed USC just because of Lincoln Riley, and obviously that was a good assumption, but um, and some leaked photos of him in a USC jersey on a visit. Um, but other than that, it was hard to come by information, and USC was quiet about it for pretty much the whole time. I, I think they were really sensitive to the image of tampering and the perception of tampering with Caleb Williams, so USC didn't say much about it this whole time. Well, I also imagine there's a lot of sensitivity mm-hmm. with Oklahoma, Lincoln Riley having left Oklahoma. There's obviously some bitter feelings there. And, and so, yeah, you probably want to be extra careful with a player coming from Oklahoma, but you know, this, it, it makes sense. And then this is, this is what we've, we've talked about this whole time, you know, when Max Olson would come on and we talk about it, it makes sense. He, he picked playing for Lincoln Riley coming out of high school. So it makes sense that he would be continuing to play for Lincoln Riley, just at a different school. But how much does this accelerate what Lincoln Riley is trying to do at USC, having a quarterback who can come in and run his offense day one. I think it obviously speeds things up and expedites the process for the turnaround offensively very fast. Um, defensively, it's still a, a major question mark. They lost their two starting corners from last year. The front seven doesn't have a lot of depth, doesn't have a lot of playmakers. Uh, but offensively, this obviously raises the ceiling. I, I think it would have been a high ceiling with Jackson Dart. I think Caleb Williams raises it. Um, can, uh, still too, and Travis Dye. Um, on on paper right now, I'm still thinking like 
this should be a good running team. And like, that'll be probably the best thing they do. The receivers aren't like Oklahoma or CD lamb and Hollywood Brown. That's something that still needs to be upgraded talent wise. But so if you're thinking best case scenario, this is like a 2018 Oklahoma type team. Like I'm still not sure because the receiving talent isn't there yet. And the defense is going to be shaky. Um, but this is a team like in my mind right now, when I envision them, they're going to be a good running team and we'll see what happens from there. Well, and that's the interesting thing, because when Clay Helton got fired, the, the you know, the talk about USC was that it, it is a bit of a roster overhaul. But in this era where people can transfer and play immediately, it feels like the overhaul is happening very fast. And you mentioned Travis Dye, and this is a guy who was was very good at Oregon. And I would think that that's a key because, you know, you looked at Oklahoma's offense under Lincoln Riley. They ran the ball very well. They were most effective when they were running the ball well. So I, I am curious to see, you know, just how much of the load Travis Dye carries because he was asked to carry a lot of it at Oregon because of injuries this year. Yeah, they, they brought in Austin Jones from Stanford as well. And they have Darwin Barlow, who was the TCU transfer last year, who should be in that rotation as well. And Caleb obviously has is pretty dynamic in the run game as well. I think he rushed for 400, 500, Absolutely. 500 yards. Um, so I think that's what the offense will probably be based around initially, at least. And um, the off the line, people will question like, hey, the offensive line wasn't that good. It, it's obviously not the 2005 USC offensive line, but I don't think it's as bad as people saw it in the Pac-12 title game in 2020 when Kayvon Thibodeau was just like dominating. It's not great. Like they'll struggle against Notre Dame and Utah and those schools. But against most everybody else, they'll be fine, I think. And um, But that's an area that they'll need to build for in the future. Yeah, and, and they, were a, they were a good offensive line in terms of not giving up a lot of sacks, but Graham Harrell's offense also gets the ball out pretty quick. So it, it'll be interesting to see how they adjust to, to what Lincoln Riley will ask them to do, you know, running that power O and, and requiring them to be some pretty good athletes. But the thing is – you know, USC has recruited good athletes on on that side of the ball. They just haven't necessarily developed them as, as well as they used to be able to. But that that's what I'm wondering, Antonio. Are we getting too excited about what they can be right away because they got Lincoln Riley, because they got Caleb Williams, because they're bringing in all these new players? I think it's a, it's a matter of what everyone's expectations are. I think if you're expecting them to go to the playoff, then, yeah, you're getting too excited. Uh, if you watch Georgia and Alabama play, or even Michigan play, like or Cincinnati, like USC is, still has to rebuild its defense. Alex Grinch has its work cut out for him. Like like our Bruce Feldman tweeted, he has his work cut out for him. There's there's a lot of talent that needs to be added to that defense front seven. They've recruited the secondary well, but there's been a lot of misses, a lot of misevaluations, a lot of attrition on the defensive line and at the linebacker position, there's going to be teams that can exploit it. Notre Dame will be able to exploit it. Utah, Fresno State, UCLA. Like Jake, Jake Hayner is not going to be afraid of that defense. And so like when it comes to the Coliseum in week three, so um, there's going to be teams that exploit it. And so it's going, to be, it's going to be up to that defense that ultimately determines how successful Lincoln Riley and Caleb, Caleb Williams will be this upcoming year. Because I, I think they'll score points, but ultimately it's, it's going to be the defense. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So what does Caleb Williams need to do now? How, do, how does he make this his team? Obviously, th- there are familiar faces. Um, Mario Williams, he already knows. But how does he come in and, and, and make this his offense, his team right now? That's going to be interesting because the thing about Jackson Dart was like everybody gravitated toward Jackson Dart. He is that type of personality that people really, really rally around. And he, he was a popular guy on that team and – um, so I know a lot, a lot of those players when they were just tweeting their reactions were kind of bummed about him leaving, but, you know, I know players like Dart, but they also like winning. So if, if, if Caleb Williams just plays like he's, like he's, like his talent level suggests, and I think everything will be fine, but this spring will be big for him and, and the USC roster in general, because it, it's 13 new transfers and, uh, a couple more freshmen coming in. So this is a, a very different roster. And that's why it's kind of hard to wrap wrap my head around expectations as well, just because we haven't seen a lot of these guys play together. Uh, Brandon Rice and Mario Williams and Terrell Bynum at receiver and Travis Dye and Caleb Williams and, and the guys they added on defense. It's a big overhaul, and we haven't seen them play together. So it's going to take some time to kind of build that chemistry. And that, that starts with Caleb. It, it is amazing, and, and it's, it's something we're seeing across college football. A, a program, Another program you used to cover – getting a guy that you just covered, Ole Miss getting Jackson Dart. And, I mean, they, they've revamped their roster completely in the portal. It, do you think it's going to be possible to sort of change a team's fortunes in a year through the portal? I mean, we kind of saw it at Michigan yeah. State last year. But is, it, is, is that going to become a regular thing? I think it'll become a regular thing for the fairly new coaches, like, like Mel Tucker because he was in year two, and a Lincoln Riley who's in year one. We're seeing Brian Kelly – um, do it right now. I think Lane's is more. He hasn't been recruiting the state well, and so it's like we, we need to we like we need to add bodies here. Like so, they had to get Dart and Zach Evans and Michael Trigg. Um, so that one's a little more different. Uh, but I think the the trend mostly is these these new coaches who are in year one or year two, kind of mining the portal for the quick turnaround. So. Caleb Williams drops the 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 commitment video. I guess the, the signed video because he's he's been signed for a while. Uh, but he's got Dr. Dre in there. He's got Snoop. This is where I started to feel very old because it occurred to me that the Chronic came out when I was a freshman in high school, long before Caleb Williams was born. By the way, how many Dre and Snoop songs do you think Caleb Williams knows the words to? Uh, I'll put it up, like the over under like. Five and a half, and I'll probably go around five. So he's he's probably got nothing but a G thing. Maybe Dre Day. Maybe What's My Name. So, something his parents were playing, but but nothing. This is that that was funny to me because as I'm watching that, I'm like, yeah, Dre and Snoop. I'm like, wait a second. I don't know how relevant these guys are to the, to, to the people Caleb Williams is going to be playing with here. Yeah, so it, it'll be interesting, but I think. And that was USC kind of dipping into the brand power and uh, trying to, I think a move like this shows 
you know, what Lincoln Riley can do for that brand. That was kind of, that's kind of been tarnished over the past five or six years and trying to rebuild that and trying to dip into the old days and, you know, get that excitement back going again. Well, and, and that's, that's the big question is, is Lincoln Riley got hired to turn USC back into what it was under Pete Carroll. It seems like things are going well so far. Do you think he's on schedule, ahead of schedule of, of, of where he thought he'd be this time? I think he's ahead of schedule right now just because Caleb Williams. I, I think the major difference, the major concern is if you look at those USC teams from Pete Carroll days, those offensive linemen, those defensive linemen were all from California. And like you just can't build a team like that right now in California just because there's not enough linemen over here. There's, there's some on the West Coast, but we're, we're going to have to see how Lincoln Riley – he has Josh Henson from Texas A&M, who was the offensive line coach over there, and Sean Nua from Michigan. And those are obviously two good coaches from – they built good units at their respective schools. They're going to have to win their battles nationally on the line of scrimmage. Um, so I think right now USC is ahead of schedule, but ultimately if they stay on and if they kind of go on this trajectory, I think it's ultimately going to be determined by the recruiting battles they win or don't win nationally with on the line of scrimmage. Got to go back to my neck of the woods. Got Leonard Williams out of Daytona Beach. Mm-hmm. Got to got to find some more of those Florida guys. Not not a lineman, but Nikel Roby out of Frostproof. So yeah. you know, there's you got that little connection. Mike Williams out of out of Nelson Tampa. Aguilar. So, uh, yeah, Nelson Aguilar too. Yeah, and, and and that's what when USC was really rolling under Pete, they were the coolest program in the country, and they could go into. It didn't matter where they they could go into Louisiana and get a player. They could go into Florida. They could go into to New Jersey. They could go basically wherever they wanted. Do you do you think? I mean, it seems like Lincoln Riley offers that kind of cachet now. Yeah, I, I think so. I think there's a receiver, uh, a national receiver, Brandon Ennis, who they'll be in the mix for, um, and there'll be some guys. Obviously, Caleb Williams isn't a recruit, but he's a guy from the East Coast who they got who they got in there. Uh, Mario Williams is another transfer, but he's from Florida. Um, so I, I think we'll see more of that. I, I think California has some talented players that they have signed in 2020, or they have committed for 2023, and uh, Malachi Nelson, the five-star quarterback, and uh, the five-star receiver, uh, Makai Lemon, and, and Zachariah Branch, both are five stars. I, I think Lincoln Riley, uh, he's done a good job in Las Vegas with Bishop Gorman and getting those kids like Zion and Zachariah Branch. Um, and they were in the mix with Cyrus Moss. They made a late push, but Mario Cristobal Miami won, won out with that one. Uh, there's a kid in Washington, Jaden Wayne, uh, who's a five-star defensive end in this upcoming cycle. So I think you'll see them probably hit the West Coast more, like Washington, Nevada, Utah, those places. And I, I think we'll probably see them branch out eventually and you know try to win those battles. It's going to be fun to watch because college football is more fun when there are power teams on both coasts and all the way through the middle. And so if USC can get back to what it was, then I think it gets it gets a lot more interesting. So, Antonio, thank you so much. Enjoy covering Caleb Williams. Uh, again, hey, maybe a better media strategy than, than Tom Brady. So that, that should be quite interesting to deal with over the next couple of years. Antonio, thank you so much. Thanks for having me.